This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. This is the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast with Andy Hill. Happy birthday, Zoe. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Thanks for being here today, everybody. Popularized by extreme frugality rock stars like Mr. Money Mustache, the mad scientist, and Jacob from Early Retirement Extreme, the financial independence or FIRE community has grown in popularity over the past five to ten years, I'd say. This is a subset of the personal finance world that encourages earning a solid income early in your life, saving a boatload of cash, and then retiring early than most of your peers. For a frugal guy like me, this concept, this lifestyle makes a ton of sense. Work hard, save and invest early so you can enjoy the majority of your life doing what you love. But what happens when you retire early? You, you still need something. You need, a, you need a purpose. You need a goal to work towards. Evidently, an online business is a great place to start. <laughs> Chooseify radio podcast host Jonathan Mendonza joins me today. We're discussing how he's been able to achieve financial independence by inspiring others to achieve financial independence. I love it. (laughs) His biweekly show dives deep into the tenets of early retirement and why this FIRE community is growing so rapidly. On the show today, Jonathan and I chat about how he's built his FIRE-inspiring small business, and we also walk through his 10 pillars of FI. These are the 10 steps we can all take to achieve financial independence. After our time with Jonathan, we're highlighting another Money Master of the Week. But first up, let's get inspired by the host of the Choose FI radio podcast, Jonathan Mendonza. How's it going, Jonathan? Oh, man, this is great. Thanks for having me on the show, Andy. I, I appreciate you, you being here, man. Uh, I am a big fan of your show and all that you're doing with Choose FI. Uh, was wondering if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and your family, man. You know, that's so funny. I have a podcast and I still like, even after all this time, I'm still, I'm still so uncomfortable with that short 30 second summary that like wraps up your whole life in school. They called it the elevator speech or the elevator pitch. And when I actually, I'm I'm sure that I have so much to say and I do, obviously I've been doing a podcast for close to a year now, but when it comes to like summarizing my life in 30 seconds, I'm just, I'm horrible at it. But the short and sweet is I'm 32 years old, uh, grew up in Virginia Uh, my wife and I have been married for about four to five years. We live in Richmond. Uh, we enjoy travel rewards, coffee, board games, Chipotle. Uh, I have an eight month year old son. I have two dogs. We have a love hate relationship with frugal living and I, uh, love to find ways to maximize quality of life while minimizing expenses. Um, I love talking about personal finance and life hacks and incorporating in those into your life. I ran out of people in my local social circle to talk to about all these life hacks that I was stumbling on on the internet. And so uh, I was desperate to keep having these conversations. So I've, I've recently within the last year started a podcast and, and that is kind of this chapter that I'm in right now. 
Uh, you and I are in the same boat, buddy. I, I, I think I've talked my wife's ear off about personal finance too much. And she said, go down to the basement and make some friends. So <laughs> yes, <laughs> personal finance nerds unite. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And you know, you mentioned something really important there, uh, Chipotle. Uh, what, what do you think about Qdoba? What's your, what are your thoughts on Qdoba? Yeah, it's kind of the redheaded stepchild, isn't it? Um, I guess it's depending on how you want to game the system. If you want free guac, then go to the, go to the Quidoba. But I'm afraid that Chipotle has my heart and soul. I don't know why. There you go. It's brand loyalty. I think maybe it's just a proximity to me. I literally can walk a half mile here from my house and go to a Qdoba. So maybe that's, maybe that's why I'm a little lazy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, cool, man. Well, uh, tell us a little bit more about your show. So I know you said you've been doing it for close to a year. What type of topics are are you covering? Is it all the things that, uh, uh, your, your social circle won't let you talk about anymore? Yeah. You know, the show kind of has grown organically and it's, kind of almost been overwhelming the response to it. But when it started, um, I came up in the, I guess one of my first financial mentors to some degree was Dave Ramsey. Um, I remember discovering him back in maybe 2006 in the total money makeover and how to drive free cars for life. And my mind was blown. Right. And I was telling everybody that would listen to me for 10 to 20 seconds about how I was going to drive free cars for life. And, and that's great. I mean, I actually remember listening, like I would go for a run, a five mile run, and I would listen to hours of his podcast uh, or hours of his radio show back to back to back to back. And I would just love this kind of engaging storytelling way, this motivating, uplifting way he had about himself. But I did have some problems with, with the show to some varying degree. And and in particular, I kept noticing that with regards to credit, he would sometimes go out of his way to say, yeah, not having any credit is going to make your life more difficult, but I think you should still do it. And something about that just didn't really sit right. Um, especially when you look into the fact that people are actually paying more for different types of services in many cases. And I just couldn't really reconcile those because it really just didn't seem very optimized. I understood the idea that people that have credit cards in many cases end up spending more. I understood the idea that maybe his audience was at the financial cliff, was trying to get out of, you know, was trying to recover. But I really struggle with the fact that to some degree, people's lives were more difficult and he was trying to give them ways to compensate for that difficulty and it just, that just didn't really sit well with me. And I, I didn't really know what to do with that information. And it kind of sat in the background, but then I discovered that the fire community or the FI community, and I discovered this tribe of people that were pursuing this incredibly optimized path to financial independence, financial freedom. And it just gelled with me. Every single thing they were saying, it was just firing on all cylinders. It was like looking at the game, looking at all these tools, not from an emotional level or good or bad, but just how can you use the tools that are available in the societal structure that we have to win at this, at this game of personal finance. And man, I just, that was it. It was those two pieces together. It was the, the, eternal optimism of the Dave Ramsey message combined with this idea that life hacks are fun and you can incorporate them into your life. And then I guess you could say our own personal little touches. What if you could build this story from the ground up? What if you could continually have these light bulb moments? And instead of like preaching to someone or telling them at this high level from their glass tower, what they need to do down on the floor, you could say, Hey, this is what I found. It's so awesome. And I'm incorporated into my life. And this is what's happened since I've tried that. This is what works. This is what didn't works. And so we, so Brad, my partner who actually you had on the show not too long mm-hmm. ago, 
uh, we kind of landed on this idea of experiments in financial independence. We're going to try it all. Some stuff we're going to be wildly successful with, other stuff we're going to fall flat on our face, but better or worse, we're going to show you how it works. We're going to bring on people that are masters of this stuff and have them give you all of their actionable takeaways. And it wouldn't that just be fun? Absolutely. Well, you and I have a similar path, buddy. I, uh, I, I did a lot of the Dave Ramsey originally too, and, uh, very happy with a lot of the changes and, and, and things that have happened in my life because of that. Uh, but yes, as you continue to learn more, uh, you see that there's another way or you see that there are more ways and that's okay. You know, it's, it's almost like, I think I've, it's, I've heard people say it's, it's like freshman year or, you know, a uh, uh, Dave Ramsey's like undergrad. And then the, some of these other levels are like the master's degree. So I think it's a great four way foray for people into personal finance. So it's sort of that gateway drug. Yeah. And then, uh, and then you kind of move to the next step, right? I love it. Absolutely love it. And, and the, our country and probably the world needs that message so desperately. I mean, you have to have someone come in and unwind the damage that this whole marketing consumerism economy, we've just gone all in on the hand that you need to spend everything you earn. Don't worry about tomorrow. And I think Dave does a great service to this country by helping us unwind that. Um, but you know, there's more dimensions to it. And it's, it's fun when you realize that, wow, I, you know, I've, I've, I've been rocking these baby steps, but there's more to life than just being debt free. Uh, there, there are steps on the other side of that. And so, uh, you know, it's just been fun to kind of explore that at a personal level and then see what happens when you kind of project that forward and you're willing to just learn everything that you don't know that you don't know. Well, that's great. Well, let's, let's keep going with this. So what, what, uh, major differences have you seen as you guys have developed this community and your conversations between that Dave Ramsey camp and maybe this, this FI fire world? You know, it was actually one of my very intentional bridges. Um, one, because I thought I saw a need there that I didn't feel like had been filled. Like I love the Dave Ramsey crowd. I, I identify with the Dave Ramsey crowd, people that found financial peace, people that found total money makeover, um, and I would see them tangentially at the edges of the Phi of the Phi universe, but not really getting involved. And I was like, well, that's silly. That doesn't make sense. You've already embraced all these concepts. You've gotten to the point where now you're not paycheck to paycheck. You've paid off all your consumer debt. But in many cases, the baby steps kind of taper off from there. I'm not saying there's not baby steps to address that, but I'll be honest, I don't feel, and I listen to plenty of Dave Ramsey, I don't feel like it's clearly defined, especially in financial peace and total money makeover. Now, I, I, you know, I know he talks through some of those, the 15%, but, but there's just, his focus is clearly, it's clearly on helping people get to debt free. If you spend, if you look at how he spends his time, it's helping people get to debt free. But those people that have gotten to debt free, they're still going back and listening to the show four hours a day because they want to know that next thing. But they have to wade through all the questions that are dealing with how to help people get to debt free. And so I said, man, what if we could bridge that and include them in the conversation? And Brad and I latched onto this idea of crowdsourcing the show. So in any, if you look at the reason that Dave Ramsey and any blogger or podcaster or anybody that's had any success, it's not because... Of, it, of them specifically, it's because of the power of their community. Dave Ramsey has probably upwards of 3 million people that listen to his every single word, which adds a lot of weight to what he's saying. To the same degree, Mr. Money Mustache, who's a figure in the FI community, has a massive following. People that have uh, these massive followings, it's the community. That's the power there. And what I realized over and over again is when you go to these blogs that have done really well, you'll see the blog and that's great, but the meat is in the comments. I mean, thousands of comments 
and really fascinating stuff for high level accountants, CFPs, uh, people that have really taken the time to think this stuff out. And they've actually critiqued these influencers work. And in many times, in many cases, the critiques are the, that's the valuable part. And so I was, I was thinking to myself, what if we could provide a way to give those comments and thoughts the, the airtime they deserved? Because that's a conversation that's worth having. I mean, not just what the initial thought or premise was for a show or podcast or article, but all these amazing ideas that are basically being produced by someone riffing off of that with their own unique experiences. And so we latched onto the fact that we would like to do a two-part show, one where we had, we talked about the idea, the article, and two, where we brought in all the feedback from the audience and turned that into a second show. Because we learned just as to the same degree that we're vulnerable and we put our ideas out there for public consumption, our audience is, is reciprocating that vulnerability and sharing their ideas with us. And it's kind of this virtuous circle that just keeps going round and round. And so we all we refine our ideas together and we get closer to, uh, I don't know if you'd call it absolute truth, but certainly applicable truth. I love it, man. And, And one thing you mentioned in there is the folks that have, eliminated the debt from their lives. And then they're saying, Oh, what's next? Uh, you, you recently, or I guess I'll ask you a little bit about this. I understand that you've, uh, had the ability to eliminate a massive amount of student loans. And, uh, is, is this a big impetus in you looking for this, uh, next step in your life as well? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so yeah, my backstory is, I, I'm a pharmacist by trade. And so I did my four years of college and then I did four years of pharmacy school. I got out of pharmacy school with 168,000 in student loan debt. And frankly, this, I got to give a shout out to Dave. I always knew I was going to pay that loan off aggressively. There was no doubt in my mind. There was no way it was going to be paid off over 25 years. And so I, you know, had a savings rate upwards of 50, 60, 70%. And I sent every extra dime I could to my student loans and we paid it off in four years. Wow. That's incredible, man. Yeah, it, it was awesome. It was not fun. You know, that's not something I remember because I, I, I worked every other weekend and I got paid yeah. biweekly. And I remember that I would get home after my second, you know, my, my Sunday shift, right? So you work every other weekend, finish your Saturday, finish your Sunday shift. I would go home and I would have a whiteboard on it. The whiteboard would, would, was broken off into just over a hundred checkboxes. And each checkbox represented a weekend that I had worked and knowing that basically I was going to get my paycheck and I was going to send all of it. (laughs) I was going to send all of it to student loans. And I remember checking off one of those boxes and having, you know, 98 weekends left. And I was like, Oh, (laughs) (laughs) only 98 more. But you know, at some point you just keep that intensity, keep your head down. And then you only have five boxes left then four and three. And so it's that gazelle intensity, right? It's that the cheetah is chasing you. And that was powerful and it was motivating. And I'll be honest with you. If I had decided to make a much more lackadaisical approach, I don't know if anything that I'm doing now happens. I think that for me, the impetus to start something like choose FI was a hundred percent based on being radical with this one aspect. I'm not really hardcore in any aspect of my life. I'm a very, you know, passive laid back guy. I'm a type B guy that wants to have a comfortable entry level, middle-class lifestyle, occasionally have some splurges. Um, I don't really have any need to drive a Porsche, but you know, I, I, in general, I'm kind of, I'm very happy with that entry level, middle-class lifestyle. And, but this one radical choice for me, I was like, wow, okay, maybe I have a story to tell. Maybe there's something here and there is a feeling of accomplishment. If you can do that, you can do anything, right? 
Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? <laughs> if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello and use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. Let's jump back into our conversation with Choose FI podcast host, Jonathan Mendonca. With that, so you, you paid them off and then... Immediately from there, did you say to yourself, what's next? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so you've got your student loans paid off and now you finally have your income. But to be honest, once you once you get to debt free, that's where we like to say your financial freedom clock really begins. That's not the end of the rainbow right there. You're still in your nine to five. And for many people, that could be the beginning of a 40 year career. Uh, that's great if you love your career. But what if your job is a high stress job and you spent the first four years not really benefiting from any of the income that you had been making? And, and keep in mind that at least in my case, I delayed my career until I was 28 because I got a, a you know a medical degree. Um, so I've delayed my career until I'm 28. And then I've spent four years not really taking any sort of paycheck, just sending it all to student loans. And now I'm 32 and you're potentially at this point in life where many people are starting to decide whether or not they like their job or they don't like their job. I mean, burnout starts to set in in four years if it's going to set in. And that's a very interesting place to find yourself because you're just now to even, you know, being broke is a blessing compared to being negative six figures in debt. Absolutely. And so where's your, where's your wife in this whole process? Were you paying off the debt together? Were you, 
Uh, was she looking at you from the sidelines saying, what's, what the hell's wrong with you guy? Where's your wife in this whole process? So my wife, Danny, uh, she's actually from Zimbabwe and, uh, Zimbabwe is very interesting country. They are a country that is the classic example of what hyperinflation gone wrong looks like, uh, where you can actually currently buy like a $100 trillion note. It's probably worth about $5 on eBay. Wow. Uh, Yeah. But as a result of that, that country is acutely aware of, of, of the importance of being able to pay for things in cash and, and also the dangers of being in debt. So they're very debt averse. And as a result of that, she came into this marriage. She knew I had a, you know, a good head on me, but at the same time, she was very concerned that I had the six figures of debt. So she was always supportive of the process um, and probably was one of the reasons that I was actually able to accomplish paying off the debt in the amount of time that I did. I would imagine that if two, if, you know, if in a marriage, the two people are going in opposite directions with their finances, uh, that can cause for a lot of contention, especially when being aggressive with paying down debt. But fortunately, uh, we were simpatico. That's great, man. That's great. Well, it's uh, a lot easier when you're, when your spouse is working together with you. And obviously you said based on her background, she probably didn't bring any debt into the marriage. Yeah, no, she didn't. So she was actually the captain of her field hockey team at university of Richmond and got a full scholarship for uh, field hockey. Uh, we met, she was a red shirted, I guess a red shirt senior, a fifth year senior. And, um, she had no debt. So yeah, she really walked into something. I mean, I don't think she was super excited about my uh, financial statement when we got married. Wow. Well, hopefully now with, uh, you being debt free and having this great career and, you know, moving on to a, a very, um, a side hustle that you're really passionate about. She's probably seeing how happy you are lately. I would say it was for the best. Absolutely. Yeah. That's great, man. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about that side hustle. So uh, a lot of people talk about financial independence, uh, with using the stock market as, as the, as the main goal or main, main way to reach financial independence. It sounds like you're using that, uh, as well as uh, a side hustle as well to, to get there. So how, how does your side hustle fit into this overall, uh, FI plan for you? I actually made the choice within the last several months to, uh, exit the workforce as my full-time job as a pharmacist. And now I am solely doing what you refer to as my side hustle. So my side hustle has become my business and that's a really interesting place to find yourself. And I, you know, I'm, I'm sure I've talked about that to some degree. I'm sure we'll continue to kind of tease that out on the show, the details and what was involved in that. But I mean, there's so many different things there. So when you're talking about building a financial plan for yourself, uh, there's, maybe three obvious asset classes that we've talked about on the show. One of them is the business asset class, or you could call that the side hustle, depending on what stage you're in, uh, the real estate asset class and then paper assets. And yeah, I think in many cases I I lean just, I lean in terms of broad strokes, I lean toward the paper asset class and specifically low cost index fund investing. Consider it just the lazy man's simple path to wealth. It just, it just works. If you can get your savings rate high enough, for even a relatively short period of time. Heck, if you can get your savings rate up to 50%, if, if you can maintain that for 10 to 15 years, you're basically done. I mean, it's just, it's that quick. That's the power of, of, of increasing your savings rate. But you don't have to do that. I mean, there are other ways, other ways to wealth. You can shortcut the process potentially through real estate. And with the side hustle, if you do it right, you can create equity out of thin air. So it's not really my place to tell you which one you have to do. Everyone has their own unique characteristics. They have their own, you know, strengths and weaknesses that may pull them in one direction personally. And I guess you could say this is the path that I ended up landing on. I found 
that I wanted to basically guarantee myself a simple path to wealth. So I always, from the beginning, regardless of which lane I found myself or which you know experiment I was pursuing, I always kept that savings rate up really high, filling up those pre-tax buckets as much as possible in my investment accounts, 401k, 403b, when my wife had access to that, filling up all of those whenever possible. And then after that, focusing on what else I had control over, how could I diversify out? And for me, Choose If I was my side hustle. I never expected it to blow up as much as it did, but it's really become overwhelming, the response we have. And it's at this point starting to provide an income for me and my family. So that is just a thrilling place to find yourself. And, you know, going back to like Dan Miller, if you can find the work you love, you never have to work again, right? Jonathan, I'm not going to pass over this man. Congratulations, dude. That is incredible. I, I mean, you started building this brand not even a year ago. That's awesome, man. Thanks. Yeah, it's it's it is so much fun. Um, I I, I I have no words. I just I love this community. <laughs> I love the Fi community. I I love personal finance. I love these sorts of interactions. I mean, like, well, you deserve it, man. You've you've built something that people are really passionate about. This community that you have uh, on Facebook, the amount of folks that are uh, listening to your show, uh, you you were on it as a nomination for best new podcast of the year. You guys are really making some waves. So congratulations, man. That's so cool. And and could you repeat for everybody how old you are and that that you've reached financial independence at this age? Well, I should clarify, I am not at financial independence. Ah, well, I mean, let's, let's define that together then. So, I mean, if you have a business that you're passionate about, that provides you an income that you feel like you can do this full time, why isn't that financial? (laughs) Well, that's a whole nother conversation and I love it. Let's start with (laughs) what we typically consider the financial independence line. So when people say you're debt free, that's pretty obvious, right? I mean, you have, you could be, you could have an extremely high net worth, but essentially you have no consumer debt, you know, and I think there's sometimes the asterisk there. Are you debt free except for your mortgage? Are you totally debt free? You know, that, that, that's a whole nother line in and of itself, but financial independence, the way we typically consider it is that you have investments that equal 25 times your annual expenses. Now, just like we were talking about with the nuances of debt-free, there's some nuances there. And what you are pointing to is a very interesting look, and it's why I will have content for years and years to explore all the different ways that people pursue and consider financial independence. Your point was, if you have a job you love that you don't consider work and it's covering all your bills, then are you financially independent? So yeah, if we're using that definition, which I don't disagree with, which is the power of what the conversation, then yeah, I'm financially independent, but using the strict metric, think about my timeline there. I just spent the last four years of my life, you know, changing my, my net worth by almost a quarter of a million dollars, but that just got me back to even, right? So I, there's no way I'm at financial independence at this point. Uh, I'm, I'm on that journey. I'm still maintaining that savings rate. I'm growing my business. So there's all these things that are in play, but, um, but isn't that the point? I mean, shouldn't we all just be finding something that we're really passionate about? Yeah, I think if you don't have a plan for what you're going to do after you reach a level of financial independence, um, things are not going to end well. I think you need some chapter transition there. You need to start, you know, thinking. In, in my mind, Phi enables a much more creative and designer lifestyle. And I don't mean designer lifestyle in a Kardashian type way, but more, in a, you know, what makes you happy? What fires you up? What actually, what things in your life do you actually want to spend more time doing? And if you're saying that it's Grey's Anatomy reruns, I think you're going to be disappointed with the outcome. But if you say, man, wouldn't it be cool if I could actually spend some time out in the front yard, looking up at the sky with my eighth month year old son, you know, 
just basically watching him touch grass for the first time and just see exactly how that feels. You know, looking at just going out and spending some time on walks with your kids, actually getting a chance to do board games with your family, traveling the world, you know, using, taking advantage of what slow travel actually looks like, not just funneling everything into that one week a year. You can actually carve out for your family to take that one trip because the rest of the time you're spent stuck in your nine to five and you can only get vacation time in this one specific slot because the rest of the time you're competing with everybody else that's on that same path. I, I think that Fi gives you the freedom to continually, even not long before you reach it, but just as you're on the path, it it pulls the power back to your side of the equation and gives you the opportunity to make decisions that are in your best interest and your family's best interest. So it's a continuum that your life is just getting better and better and better. And I think it's incredibly important to actually focus long before you reach financial independence on what actually makes you happy and then spend more time doing that stuff. Well, now that you're not doing your nine to five, um, and you look back on it, are you exponentially happier doing choose FI than what you were doing with your job? Yeah, I passed exponentially a long time ago. <laughs> so when, when, at what point in your career did you say this isn't for me? Uh, you know, I didn't, I had no vision of myself actually getting out of the workforce like this. I mean, I chose pharmacy. I was very happy in pharmacy. Um, it, it was getting progressively more difficult, Um, but I was still, I still enjoyed my job. I felt like I was good at my job. Um, I I was moving up through, I guess you could say the ranks if that's the right term, but as choose if I was taking up more and more of my time, it was becoming untenable. Uh, and pharmacy deserved hundred percent of my attention and choose if I would needed hundred percent of my attention. And I was passionate about choose if I, and my passion for pharmacy was waning pretty quickly and you had to choose. And because I had paid off all my debts, because my cost of living was very low. I had gotten it down to somewhere in the thirty dollars to $40,000 range. Once Choose FI was paying the bills plus some, it was a relatively easy decision to make. I had a, I had, you know, had a couple years of savings at this point in terms of expenses, so I had a pretty slow burn rate. And Choose FI was growing pretty rapidly, so uh, I felt like it was the right decision for me at that time and the right decision for my family. So one thing, let, let's, let's help people, help people win a little bit here. Obviously your side hustle is a big, um, uh, opportunity for you, for your FI journey, but there's a lot of other steps along this path and you've developed a system called the pillars of FI, which is awesome. <laughs> cool, man. <laughs> Would you mind, uh, walking through that, uh, that pillar, uh, chart with everybody? I know they've got a great infographic. I'll put it in the show notes for people to take a look at. Uh, but would you mind walking through what those pillars are so people can, you know, join along this, uh, this fire walk with you? Yeah, absolutely. So let me just say that when you spend enough time simmering in the financial independence community, there's a couple common threads or themes that really come to the surface. So nothing that I'm going to tell you is original to choose FI or to Jonathan. We just kind of took the overarching themes that we were hearing over and over again, and we repackaged it. There were 10 of them that we landed on. Honestly, there could have been 20. There could have been 30. <laughs> you could pick an arbitrary number. It just a felt, good number. felt like a great <laughs> number. Here are the 10 pillars of FI. The first one is index fund investing. Now, these reference specific episodes that we've done, we've tried to do an episode talking about each one of these. If I'll share the infographic with you, I'd love it if you share it with your audience. And those point to specific episodes where they can get more information about each of these. But I'll just kind of give you a a highlighter blurb about each one. First of all, for index investing, uh, JL Collins has done a series called the Stock Series, which in my mind will is the 
is the the source, the best source that you can go to for a distilled reason why you should be considering index fund investing. Um, and basically, we reject active management in favor of a simple path to wealth. Stop agonizing over the perfect answer. Just focus on what you can control, which is your fees. And and you may not understand why that's important just at face value. Why do I care if I'm paying a 1% or 2% assets under management fee? The difference is millions and millions of dollars. That's why. Uh, so definitely go check that out if you haven't looked into that before. It's something that took me years to grapple with. And once you understand the power of it, it's just it'll blow your mind. Jonathan, let me, let, let's stop there for one second. Did you get hooked up with any of the ELPs throughout the process, uh, when you were getting into Dave Ramsey? You know, I wanted to, I so loved what Dave was putting out there that I desperately wanted to connect with an ELP. I'm almost glad that I didn't, because if you look at, especially the ELPs that actually I just realized that's not totally true. I did hook up with an ELP for, which one was it for my, my home like taxes or real yes, estate not, or? not taxes. I think at the time I, I, I wanted to find someone for taxes. That's how much mm-hmm. I wanted to use a Dave ELP. But then I realized that I was probably still on a 1040 easy and that would probably be a waste of everybody's time. <laughs> um, but well, I, the, yeah, the reason, the reason I ask is that, is that you talk about the, the fees that are associated with it. And some of these funds that are, uh, that are with the, um, ELPs that are associated or they're called smart festers now, uh, with Mr. Ramsey include a lot of fees and front loads and things like that. So I, I guess I'm pointing that out just to, to see if you had any experience throughout the, throughout your Dave Ramsey process. Yeah. I mean, so a 1% fee doesn't seem like that much when you have a thousand dollars invested, right? I mean, if you're, if you're working on just getting to debt free and then you find someone right as you're getting to debt free, it doesn't seem like a big deal. You've got $20,000 in the bank and you're paying someone 1% of that for assets under management. So that's 200 bucks a year. Okay. No big deal, but let's draw that out and you're getting towards the finish line and maybe you're somewhere in between a million or $2 million in assets. So let's say you get to $2 million in assets that's that same advisor that's charging you an assets under management fee. Let's say he's doing a a more egregious assets under management approaching 2%. And that's probably a little bit of an exaggeration, but you're paying that advisor $40,000 a year. That's my entire cost of living. Now you need to realize how, how damaging these, these fees can actually be to your financial future. And if you make a value choice to, to maintain that I'm okay with it, but I, I suspect that many people that use ELPs have not really considered the math on what an assets under management model is actually costing them. And it is, it is a game changer uh, for your financial future to when you, when you latch onto that. Excellent. Well, let's, let's keep going on your pillars of fire. I stopped you at one. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. We, we got time. Uh, so number two is affordable housing. You know, don't let your McMansion eat your future. Uh, do the math. We're not, we are not diehard on rent versus buy both my co-host Brad and myself. We both own a home. Um, but I think the point that we make there is that in many countries around the world, it's become almost mandatory that in order to make it in the middle class, in order to succeed at life, you need to purchase a home. You need to be a homeowner and people will do it at all costs. A starter home in California costs $600,000. That may not make sense. You know, and if you're doing it thinking, well, when I sell it five years from now, it's going to be worth $800,000. That definitely doesn't make sense. You're tie, you're tying your entire financial future to one hand. Uh, so it's not for us to prescribe to you whether or not you need to rent versus buy, but just a house is a place to live. It may offer additional value, 
but it's a place to live and do the math on it. Don't tie your whole financial future up in that decision. And if you want to break the game completely, what if you could totally live for free and people have figured that out and we call it house hacking affectionately. And you can check that out for more information, but there are creative ways to do housing. Excellent. Excellent. Well, let's, let's keep rocking and rolling. All right, number three, buy gently used cars. Uh, The true cost of car ownership will shock you. Don't sink all your money into something that's going down in value. This, I got to give a shout out to Dave. He does a great job with this one. I think he lets people know the value of, you know, purchasing used cars. If you're going to throw $100 bills out the window, do it from a position of financial strength. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Yeah, and I I felt the same way. We, uh, my wife and I, we, we, got the cars that we really liked. And then we kind of got onto the Dave Ramsey plan after that. And we said, well, well, we like the cars, so let's just pay them off and then we won't feel bad. There you, go. <laughs> you know, I think once you're there, there's a sunk cost aspect to this. Once you've purchased the car, I suspect that in many cases you're kind of stuck. I mean, it's more yeah. to like help you when you're making that car choice decision. Once you're a couple of years in on your, you know, 2017 ride, at that point, you've probably already done the damage and it might actually hurt you more to sell and rebuy. That's not the case for everybody, but you can do the math on it. But the episode that we did, which was episode 22, really walked through the true cost of car ownership. And honestly, this episode, I went through the math because I was so bad at it. I was so bad at car ownership, generally speaking. When I looked at it, it was just a blind spot. And I was like, I wonder how much this car is actually costing me. And so I just spent a ton of time researching all the different costs that you don't even consider and then trying to turn that into a conversation. And that's what that episode was about. But anyways, the takeaway is buy gently used cars. Excellent. All right, let's go to number four. All right, number four is crush your grocery bill. Now, with this one, what I really landed on is the fact that you just have no idea what you're spending on groceries, really no idea. And just a tiny bit of intentionality uh, can... have a drastic impact on your monthly budget. When you look at what people are spending money on, I mean, it's housing, it's car ownership, and, you know, right behind that, it's got to be groceries. And if you add into that, the restaurants, potentially alcohol, that can go up into a thousand plus dollars. If you apply just a little bit of intentionality and you have a family of three or four, you could easily get that down way below $800. I mean, it it would not surprise me if you had a $1,200 grocery bill for a family of four, you could get it down to under 500 if you wanted to really go, go at it. And we kind of landed on this idea of using a price per person per meal, just as a way to gently eyeball how much we should be spending on food. And we set the metric at $2 per person per meal. You don't need to fix with that. Not every meal needs to cost $2 per person per meal. But over time, if it averages out, you're, you're knowing that you're really crushing it. And if you go above that, sometimes no big deal. But it kind of just gives you a nice rule of thumb metric to really crush the grocery bill. Excellent. All right. Keep on rocking. Number five. All right. Tax optimization. Now, this is one of the places that the FI community really shines. Um, honestly, I don't think that Dave Ramsey spends enough time talking about this. I think he misses some very obvious tools. I think in some cases there's some misinformation given out there there. He, he puts a, he puts a very heavy emphasis on the Roth and I understand the appeal of the Roth and the simplicity that you pay taxes once and then you're done. But for many people in his audience, it's probably a bad choice. That's going to be costing them a lot of money. And so the FI community places a lot of emphasis on putting their, their money into pre-tax buckets knowing that there are ways that you can get it into these 401ks or pre-tax accounts, obviously pre-tax, it grows tax-free. And then using some of the advanced methods, you can get it out tax-free. And in life, that's what we call winning. Very cool. Very cool. Well, yeah, I'm, uh, 
have a lot of history in that building up the pre-tax right now and definitely interested in reading these articles that come out from folks like mad scientist about how to get it out of there. Very cool. That's a, that's right. a thing, man. In the, uh, you just, you never hear on this side of the spectrum, you never hear people talking about the Roth conversion ladder. You never hear them talking about tax loss harvesting or capital gains harvesting. I mean, these are ideas that are so powerful. You can never pay federal taxes on up to $90,000 of income with some of these ideas. I'm not telling you whether or not you should do that or not. I'm just saying that if you didn't even know it was a possibility, then you've got some homework to do. And it's pretty cool to find out how the tax system actually works. That's when you go down the rabbit hole, right, bud? Yeah. Very addictive too. (laughs) Very cool. All right. What's, what's up next? All right. College hacking. Now we know that college is broken. We do. You can see it at face value. It's obvious MSRP, which is a term obviously hijacked from the car industry on college is approaching upwards of $200,000 a year. That's crazy, especially for the large percentage of college students that we see coming out asking, well, what am I going to do for a job? I don't know what job I can get with this degree. Wow. We need to rethink this whole process. And while there is not one perfect answer for everybody on this, What we hope to do is crowdsource enough game-changing ideas that you can achieve college for free, either through scholarships, unknown scholarships, or just little life hacks. Uh, Different states have different programs. If you can accrue enough of these ideas, then you can either slash the cost of college by 75%, or you can do it completely for free. And just recently, we had someone come on the show and share with us this caddy scholarship. Did you know that there's a program in the United States where you can just be a caddy for a few years and the caddy scholarship will allow you to go to college for free? That is amazing. Yeah. One of my friends uh, at work actually took advantage of the Evans Scholars and uh, he now he now helps other folks to to get those scholarships as well. It's a very cool program. And you just don't know this stuff because you only know the people that are in your little sphere. But when you have a crowdsource show, when you have tens of thousands of people that are all thinking about what's the one thing that I've figured out that maybe I could give back to this community because I've gotten so much from them generally, then we all just get, we get to aggregate this information and we all win because of it. Yeah. Even if you don't like golf, you start to like golf, right? (laughs) (laughs) Who doesn't like golf? It's the most amazing sport in the world. Just really hurts the pocketbook. (laughs) When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, cool. What's next, bud? All right, travel rewards. Now, this is why I would be scared to go to Nashville and walk into Dave's office and try and shake his hand because (laughs) I am a huge fan of travel rewards. And uh, travel rewards basically uses the aggregation of these massive credit card bonuses when you sign up for a credit card to allow you to travel the world for free. If you are in a high income bracket, 25% or higher, you don't have, you could be in 15%, but it gets more appealing the higher income bracket you're in. This is a huge missed opportunity. When you decide to go travel anywhere, travel to another country, travel to another state, you have to buy that plane ticket with after-tax dollars. So for every $100 you earn, you're bringing home maximum $75. Honestly, once you add in your all the taxes that you pay, it's probably closer to $60. Uh, if you decide to start using travel rewards, then not only are you not having to spend your own money, but all of this, all of this travel is now 
essentially tax-free. You've, you've basically moved travel from an expense on your budget to something that you're totally doing for free. Now, this works better inside the United States. There are people overseas that would love to have access to this for whatever reason. We have this gift in the United States. And so you have to look at credit cards just as a tool. Now, I can just hear it. Well, credit cards are dangerous. Credit cards, you end up spending more. You know, these might be true if you're speaking to an audience that is struggling with debt. They're struggling to understand why they need to save their income. But when you're speaking to an audience of people that are already saving 50 plus percent of your income, you can now look at credit cards for what they are, a financial tool. If that financial tool allows your money to go 20% farther, then it would be silly to not talk about that. And it's a blind spot. You're never going to hear Dave Ramsey talk about travel rewards. We love travel rewards. So let, let's caveat that, like you said. So this is good for somebody who lives on a budget and can save 50% of their income, right? I mean, everybody else that's kind of try to get rid of debt or in credit card debt, this is a big no-no, right? Yeah, I use 50% as the kind of the, 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 the point there. It's obviously you don't need to save 50% of your income to get a credit card. Uh, but the point, the overarching theme being if you're paycheck to paycheck, it's probably a bad idea. Credit cards are not a way for you to bridge it from one Friday to two weeks from now. It's a, you're going to lose. There's, you know, Dave says there's a reason the buildings are so big and your house is so small. That is all <laughs> that does not make that wrong. It just says once you're past that point and you're already being intentional with your money and you're not spending more, you're not using the credit card so you can get stuff that you can't afford. Then at that point, if you're just putting your normal spending on a credit card, you can crush this game. And so that's why Brad is a big fan of him. That's why I'm a big fan of him. That's why you see the FI community generally embrace this when the traditional personal finance community does not because the traditional personal finance community is helping people get to debt free. The buy community is helping people get to the point where they never have to work again, or rather working is optional. And that's just two different audiences. And it's, and it's great. Both of those can coexist at the same time. Yeah. And if you guys remember from session 39, we had your buddy, Brad Barrett on the show to talk a little bit about how we can all hack, hack Disney. And my wife and I really enjoyed going through his course, um, travel, travel miles 101 or through your site as well, uh, to learn about these, these hacks. And we have now figured out a plan, our family to travel to Disneyland in May of next year. Well, actually, it's May of this year now, based on this recording, Sarah, everybody, uh, for about $220. So a family of four that is going to be heading there through travel rewards for a whopping $220. And the $220 is mostly taxes and uh, little things like that. So everything else is free. And that would have been a $4,000 plus trip for you guys. Oh, absolutely. It's about, uh, if I can look at it right now, $5,248. And, you know, like it or not, every family in the United States is going to feel the pull to go to Disney World. It just (laughs) just happens, right? Absolutely. Well, we are getting some feedback from people that are saying, hey, a little too early, man. Like four and six, (laughs) they're just not going to enjoy it. Wait until they're a little older. Other people are saying, no, go for it. Have fun. I would say that, I mean, I have no experience with this whatsoever, Jonathan, but maybe an eight month old, maybe a little early for it. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, we're trying to find that (laughs) sweet spot where we certainly are. I would say if you were paying five grand for it, I might advise you the same thing, but at $220, do it. Just do it's, it. It's it's a game too. It's it's a fun thing, but you have to be careful. We we call it a game. We call it fun, but it requires responsibility. And the fact that you've put it in the latter portion of your pillars here probably is intentional, right? I'm sure it is. I'll take credit for that. There you go. There you go. Cool. So what's next? <laughs> All right, number eight. Cut the cord and premium cell phone. So why are you? Why at this point in your life are you still paying? 
Verizon, $250 a month for your cable and your cell phone. This is a bill or an expense your family, your parents, you know, the parents' generation, they had never considered. And now it's something that everybody has to have. Why do you need to pay one provider $200 plus a month for a cable package that you never have time to watch because you're stuck at your nine to five? And when you do have time to watch it, you're only watching commercials and they don't have the one game that you want to watch because it wasn't on the select a la carte menu that you picked. You know, it's just, it's, it's a joke. It's a sick joke and cell phones shouldn't cost $150 a month either. Uh, once you realize that there are alternatives, you're living in 2017 and that is probably a bad use of your hard earned dollars. You can start looking at cutting the cord. I'm not talking about going on a digital fast. I have a Google project five, which is roughly 20 to $30 a month for my spouse and myself. And we have, you know, Netflix, Amazon prime, you know, but pay for a la carte video, watch what you're actually going to watch and then maybe watch less. I don't know. Your life is too valuable to waste sitting on the couch. So those are all things that just go together. But we landed on the fact that people are hemorrhaging money on everything and watching nothing or very little. And there are probably smarter ways to do it. I completely agree. We cut the cord a couple of years ago and we have not missed it one bit. So we're on the same path here, man. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, let's see what's next then. See if we're still there. (laughs) All right. Number nine, multiple income streams. Now I will say that we have refined these pillars over time. You know, when we first did our first episode on the pillars of Phi, somehow we left out the side hustle. Uh, and that is a probably reflects a blind spot in the Phi community. And many times we were so focused on the index investing, which was number one, that we didn't talk about the fact that people are just hijacking this whole process by starting a side hustle that replaces their nine to five, or maybe getting involved in real estate and getting five doors, five, five houses and renting those out. And that's cash flowing their life. Multiple income streams is invaluable. And what's really cool is when you do some of these other things first, you don't need every single dollar that you're earning anymore. And with that extra income, you can either work less, which frees up your time to allow you to pursue one of these side hustles. Or if you, if it's just kind of one of these concurrent things, you can either get to Fi and then start a side hustle with all your free time, or you can do them concurrently. And then your side hustle at some point can replace your business. I found myself in that, in the latter of those two scenarios, but I've seen people approach it both ways. And the cool thing is there are many of us types that feel like we're very linear people. We're not creative types. We don't have an entrepreneurial spirit. Financial independence empowers a large percentage of the people that feel that way and gives them the freedom to fail. If your limiting belief is, well, I'm not creative. I can't start anything. I don't think that I could succeed and nothing could ever replace my nine to five. So I'm going to just crush the income game. I'm going to focus on just being really good at my job. Then for that person, that's a very powerful way of looking at it. You, you get to the point where you're at, or you're approaching financial independence. And now you say to yourself, wow, I really have the freedom to fail here. So I could actually maybe see if maybe I am an entrepreneur and maybe I could even just step out of the workforce for a couple of years or wind it down and put all my time into developing one of these little venues that they just talked about. And you know what? If it doesn't work in two to three years from now, I'm still just treading water. I can just go back to my nine to five because financial independence is not a one way door. It's a turnstile that you get to go in and out of. And let's say that it doesn't work out for you. Your worst case scenario is everybody else's every day. Right. I love it, man. I love it. And, and, and you're, uh, you're a walking, talking, uh, example of this. So congratulations, man. That's very cool. So what's the, uh, what's the last one? All right. Now this, we've been touching at the whole point, but it felt disingenuous to not mention it. And it goes to your savings rate and what we like to call the 4% rule of thumb. And ultimately financial independence is just a function of the math. 
The savings rate is everything. And, and it's, and it's multifaceted with the power of it. One, you're obviously putting more aside. So then that is then going into these pre-tax or post-tax accounts and then it's growing. So now whatever compounding is going on is aiding that process. But on the flip side of that, uh, if you're actually cutting the cost of your life, you're cutting your expenses down, that actually means that you need less in order to retire. So follow me on this. Let's say that you start out, you, you start out by tracking your finances and you just track, you don't really try to put a budget in place. You don't really try to really be extremely frugal in any particular aspect of your life, but you, you have, you, you get mint set up and you're tracking where your money's going and you find out that over the course of a year, you are spending $80,000. Well, we just said that you need 25 times your annual expenses to reach financial independence. So for that person, you are going to need $2 million in your investment vehicles in order to consider yourself financially independent. Well, conversely, what if now you're being intentional? You followed all those other pillars because you've gone through those different line items, affordable housing, gently used cars, crushing your grocery bill, cutting the cord and the cable. So now your life only costs $35,000 and 25 times your annual expenses is only $875,000. So all these factors are working for you. It's not one thing. It's how everything comes together. And the goal of this is not to tell you exactly which path you have to choose. You do not need to pursue the extreme frugality path. You could, you could grow your income and you could pursue it that way, but it doesn't matter. If you just be a little bit more intentional with your financial choices, you can crush this game. And ultimately that was the appeal to me specifically of the Phi community. I wanted to win and I wanted everybody in my social circle who I was dialoguing to win as well and be able to retire decades ahead of their peers. And then I want to see what happens with this community of people that has freed up their not. They haven't just freed up their golden years, 65, 70 and above, but now they've reclaimed the best years of their life, 35 to 60 this whole range. What are they going to do with that free time? What cool stuff are they going to build? That's a conversation I wanted to be there for. I wanted to document these people's stories and I wanted to share it with other people and motivate them. And so that's just kind of how all this came together. I love it, man. What would you mind recapping those one, one to 10 to everybody so they can uh, remember them all? Yeah. And I'll send you the PDF if you want to put it in the show yes, notes. Yes, please. Yeah. Number one, index investing. Number two, affordable housing. Number three, gently used cars. Number four, grocery bill. Number five, tax optimization. Number six, college hacking. Number seven, travel rewards. Number eight, cut the cord and premium sell. Number nine, multiple income streams. And number 10, crush your savings rate and know how the 4% rule works. Those come together to form the pillars of FI. I love it, man. Well, I'll definitely share that in the show notes. Uh, one thing that I think that people have difficulty with is yes, they know the tactics, right? But they need to have that passion, that determination, that, that fire. Was there a book that inspired you to kind of get really excited about this? I know that, I know maybe this can't be taught, but sometimes it can be. So is, was there any books or resources that kind of gave you this drive? Hmm. That's a great question. Uh, so I've, I've always been a big fan of Dave's. I, obviously you guys hear where I differ with him, but for, from us, it's all psychology, right? If it were just enough to say, spend less than you earn, save the difference and you'll be good to go. Then everybody would be doing this stuff. Uh, so it's not a, a matter of the fact that people don't know how just math works. Uh, this isn't complicated math, but I think it's psychology and behavioral, which is why the total money makeover has such value to getting you to debt free. At least, um, I don't, from there, I would say maybe Rich Dad, Poor Dad um, is a great book. I've, I'm a huge fan of audiobooks. I find it very yeah. hard to incorporate uh, written books into my just daily workflow. The audiobook for Rich 
dad, poor dad is, is fantastic. Now I know that he can come off as a little bit of a guru ish and I'm the last person that wants to upsell you into a $10,000 class. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> if you can separate that out and just check out the audiobook, that's really good. And then I think that uh, Millionaire Next Door, which is written by the late Tom Stanley, is another good one. That one is a little bit more, it is not as much behavioral in terms of it's not really a motivating book. It's more like documenting the fact of the stealth wealth community. I think that probably to some degree, Choose If I has tried to turn that stealth wealth community and the fact that are, there are so many people that are actually doing that, we've tried to turn that into a little bit more of a motivational type show and accompany people on the journey. But all three of those books are worth the time and price of admission. That is great, man. You literally just named three of the five books that I find as uh, the ones that have motivated me in my, in my, in my financial journey. So that's great. <laughs> we are, we continue to be on the same page. <laughs> very cool, man. Well, I, I love you walking through the, the pillars of five. Thank you so much, very much for doing that. Those are great tactics and um, opportunities for people to take advantage of and really create some action in their day. So everybody really uh, think about those 10 things and, uh, and really let's see what we can do to make some action and change in your life here. Uh, Jonathan, congratulations on all the success, man. Where can people follow you and connect with you and learn more about this lifestyle? All right. So we have a podcast, uh, choose FI. That's one word, choose FI. And you can go to choosefi.com. We have the podcast and we have the website along with the Facebook group. We would love for you to, you know, come be a part of this community. If, if you think about it, this is the stealth wealth community of the world. And that is a community that would be fun to be a part of. This is a community of like minds, entrepreneurs, people that are pursuing financial independence and sharing the life hacks of how they got there. And I spend, as you know, Andy, a massive amount of time just in that community dialoguing back and forth. And I'm extremely passionate about it. So thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this. I hope you got value from it. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much for being here and congratulations on the the growth of this community that you've done and giving yourself the opportunity to live a really intentional life with your family. Yeah. And conversely, man, I look forward to having you on the podcast. Excellent. Looking forward to it, bud. The pillars that Jonathan went through are an excellent guide to give you control of your money. It's always an interesting debate for me to get ahead. Do I need to make more money or do I need to save more money? Well, Ideally, both, right? <laughs> but let, let me make the case after going through this conversation with Jonathan for saving as that's a big part of this early retirement conversation that we're, we're having today. I'm going to use a personal example. Nicole and I were spending around $900 per month on groceries in 2016 through some changes that we made like switching from Kroger to Aldi and only shopping weekly instead of when we felt like it. And lastly, using a actual grocery list for our shopping, we were able to decrease our spending to around $600 per month. So all in all, in 2017, we were able to save around $3,600. That's a lot of money based on our income level. That's savings would almost be the same as us increasing our income by 
$5,000 just based on the taxes we'd have to pay. I don't know about you all, but it's not the easiest for me to increase my income by $5,000 at the drop of a hat. But it was fairly easy for us to make this grocery shopping change. It's really just um, mostly just some intentionality on how we were spending and a store change. So I'm using that example as a demonstration about how important it is for us to intentionally spend our money each month. Another example was when we we cut our cord, cut the cord from cable, and that has saved us around a thousand bucks per year. So again, that'd be like another fifteen hundred dollars that we'd have to earn in income to make up for that. And the list goes on and on and on. I'm, I'm not advocating that we cut out everything out of our lives. Obviously, we have to have some fun and we have to live a little, but there are certain areas where scaling back really doesn't hurt that much, in my opinion. So take a good look at your budget and see if there are any low-hanging fruit in there that would be easy candidates for reduction. The less expensive your life is, the more money you can put towards paying off your debt, saving for retirement, or even early retirement. time to announce the money master of the week. Suzanne from Arizona had a big win on her journey to becoming consumer debt free. She just completely paid off her second high interest credit card and has a plan to be credit card free by the fall of this year. Her family of four has paid off almost $15,000 in car debt and credit card debt since they started their debt payoff journey early last year. All in all, Suzanne's goal is to pay off $76,000 in consumer debt within five years. She's on the right path to make it happen well before that time, in my opinion. One major reason I think this is going to happen for her is that she's tracking her progress publicly on her blog. I've talked about this before. Public proclamation of major life goals is a huge motivator. Once you put it out there on the internet or on a podcast, or even just like telling your friends or family in person, you are more likely to get it done. I have no doubt in my mind that Suzanne will crush her last credit card and her family's two student loans and create the freedom she's looking for. You can follow Suzanne's debt destruction at the76kproject.blogspot.com. Her passion for success is inspiring, so check it out. Suzanne, congratulations for being our Money Master of the Week. Do you have a recent financial victory you want to share on this show? Please email me at andy at marriagekidsandmoney.com or leave me a voicemail at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash voicemail. You'll find all the links and resources for today's show at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 70. If you're digging this show, I'd really appreciate you leaving me a review on iTunes. I have a personal goal of hitting 80 five-star reviews this month, and I'm at 77. So a little love would be great if you guys could take five minutes to leave me a review at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash iTunes for iTunes. And if you're not into iTunes, Stitcher would be awesome. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Stitcher. Reviews are like gold when you're building a podcast. So I'd really appreciate you helping me out. Thanks, guys. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Robert Kiyosaki. It's not how much money you make, but how much money you keep, how hard it works for you, and how many generations you keep it for. 
Control your money to control the direction of your life, everyone. Carpe diem. 